Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. If you know anybody that is sick, anybody that the doctors have given a terminal diagnosis, or people that have tolerated some uh, form of disease in their body for far too long, and they've asked you, could you keep me in prayer? Could you? There's nothing like an encounter with the Word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 107 and verse 20, He sent His Word and it healed them and delivered them from all destruction. He sent His Word in God's Word. Resident in the Word of God is God's healing power that has the ability, the capacity to, uh, to totally eradicate sickness in people's bodies and i'm gonna i'm gonna show you from the bible because i i've written down three purposes for this broadcast today three reasons why i'm doing this broadcast number one is i want to uproot every theological tradition and misunderstanding of god's word there's a lot of people that don't teach the bible properly when it comes in the area of healing they they teach you know what their experience is but i refuse to let someone else's tragedy um, dictate my theology. I refuse to let somebody else's tragedy mess with the way I, I see God's word. I don't care what happened to others. Ultimately, God's word is true and he is faithful to his word. He said, I've honored and held my word above even my own name, above my reputation. Jeremiah 1 and verse 12, the Bible says uh, very clearly, that he watches, God watches over his word to perform it. God is tied to his word. A man's word is only as good as the man, and a man is only as good as his word. Well, not only is God good, God's word is good, and the Bible says he is eager. He hastens over. That shows you he's almost like uh, waiting, like leaning over the banister of heaven, ready to act on his word on behalf of those who will believe. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. So I pray at the beginning of this broadcast that as you listen, don't just listen. I've said this before. Don't listen to be informed. Don't listen. So the purpose of this broadcast isn't so you can go to your local Starbucks and sit down, all your family members who've always uh, debated the area of divine healing, and you can now have... Uh, the pros, you can have the, the, the equipment from the word of God to debate them now, to get into arguments, to get into these endless debates with others. That's not the purpose of this broadcast. This broadcast is purpose to equip you with spiritual truths that are there to, and necessary to set you free from sickness, A. B, to make sure that you never get sick again. God's program for his people is not just to heal you when you get sick. God has a program program for you if you'll believe it today exodus 23 and verse 25 if you will serve the lord your god he will bless your bread and your water and he will take sickness out of your midst that's not i'll heal you when you get sick that is you won't even have the opportunity to get sick because i'll put a supernatural force field around you that even in the midst of a virus even in the midst of a pandemic no matter the pestilence that might take this world by storm the bible says you will only 
look. You will only look. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your tent. If you'll make the Lord your dwelling place and make him your strong tower, your safety today. Look, like David, you can say, the Lord is my strong tower. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is the God in whom I trust. I will not be afraid. The fear of sickness and the fear of death, it torments people it torments them it cripples them people don't want to go out especially today that you you see them they walk out like in a full hazmat suit because they're tormented by the fear of death but the bible says in hebrews 2 and verse 14 jesus partook of flesh and blood so that he can destroy the devil who had the power of death the devil doesn't have the power to make a believer sick only if he, the believer allows him, only if the believer lowers his confession to match the world's confession, then the devil can do whatever he wants. But if faith will come on the inside you today to say, I'm not like this world. I might live in this world, but I'm not like everybody else. I have a redeemer and his name is Jehovah Rapha. And he not only healed me when I got saved, he keeps me whole. He preserves my health. He gives me strength and vitality. And as such, the last day of sickness I ever suffered is the last day of sickness I will ever suffer because he said bless the Lord oh my soul and forget not all your benefits there are benefits in serving God we don't just serve God because uh, you know we'll, we'll make it to heaven there's more to, to God than just heaven God wants to bless you now God wants he wouldn't have promised healing if all he wanted to do was get you healed in heaven because there won't be any sickness in heaven you'll have a new body God promised healing for now. The Bible says that the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, not in heaven, in Christ Jesus. Far too many people have made death their savior. They're waiting for death to get healed. They're waiting for death to break free from a sickness. They're waiting for death to uh, uh, solve their problems. Death is not your savior. The Bible says death is your enemy. Jesus Christ came to solve the problems that plagued humanity. The Bible says that he himself became sin on our behalf. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53, he also became sick with our sicknesses so that we can receive his healing package. Sickness, sin, and poverty was transferred from me to Calvary, but from Calvary to me, transferred health, strength, righteousness and prosperity so that means the last day you were down was yesterday today you're coming out of that pit of sickness you're coming out of that pit of plague of long continuance in the mighty name of jesus christ please share this broadcast this is going to mark the end of tormenting fears when it comes to sickness and disease in your life. It's going to mark the end of every sickness that has overstayed its welcome. Do you understand the moment you got saved? That marked, that marked something new. The old things have passed away. Old things. Old things have passed away. So quit living like old things have not passed away. Sickness was part of the old things that have passed away. Disease is part of the old things that have passed away. In Christ Jesus, everything about you has become new. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the reason why I'm coming out hot on this broadcast is because while I was praying just before, I asked the Lord, Lord, give me compassion for the sick. Give me compassion, an increased measure of compassion for people that are in hospital beds, people that are, 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 are tied 
connected to medication that they can't come out of or else they wouldn't be able to function normally. That's not, do you understand that God can heal you without medication, without doctors? I'm not against doctors. I'm not against medication. But I'm saying that there's a way, there's a more excellent way. God can heal you without the assistance of those things. God is the most high God. If God can't heal you, then no doctor should even ever try. If God can't heal you, then no medication should ever be designed to try. If God has failed to provide healing for his children, then we're doomed. We might as well just uh, recline, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. But the good news is, is that the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. But you don't have to succumb as a victim of being stolen from, killed, and destroyed. You can enjoy life and life abundantly. And part of that abundant life is healing for your body. So share this broadcast. Today, I'm going to start off by reading Matthew chapter 20. And verse 29, and I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures today because I want to show you not my opinion. I'm tired of preachers giving their opinion. They, they like read half a scripture and then do 59 minutes if they even get that. Most preachers can't even preach more than 20 minutes without getting out of breath. I'm going to be short today. And they go 20, not because you're, you're going to be short. It's because you've never, you're not filled with the Holy Ghost. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, man, there's a river of life that bursts out of you. It's like when the tap starts flowing, it's hard to, to, to take the tap off. It's hard to, to seize the flow. I'm going to read just 20 minutes. I'm just going to preach for 20 minutes. Today. It's because you can't preach past 20 minutes anyways. Listen to this. As they went out of Jericho, I'm going to show you from the scriptures that Jesus Christ planned for humanity, which he is the exact image of the, of the will and representation of the will of the Father. Jesus' plan, contrary to religious tradition, which like I said, the purpose of this broadcast is one, to uproot every theological tradition that you may have heard growing up in church, in some denominational church. I mean, if you know God says yes, sometimes God says no, and sometimes he says maybe. We don't know what he'll say. How could you have faith to be healed if you don't know what he'll say? Faith begins when the will of God is known. I want you to write that in the comments. Faith begins when the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So if you have no revelation of his, of his will, which his word reveals his will, then you're not going to have faith to stand on so that you can uh, break free. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said in John 8, 32, you will know the truth. And the truth that you know and act on will set you free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That shows you that God's not just setting people free at random. God is setting those free who have heard the word, believed the word, and acted on the word. That's the secret of the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, she had suffered many things at the hands of many physicians, and she was no better. She only grew worse. So she tried the world's way. She went, and I told you I'm not against doctors. If it wasn't for doctors, 80% of the body of Christ would be dead. They would be dead. Because this message hasn't, why are not more people healed by divine healing? Because divine healing is not taught in most places. Matter of fact, the opposite of divine healing is taught. There are preachers and ministers that celebrate medical advancement more than they celebrate miracles and testimonies from the Bible. They, when a medical advancement, a new vaccine comes out, praise the Lord, a new vaccine has come out. They, you know, they're quick to celebrate 
Medical advancements, which I'm I'm for celebrating medical advancements. Great. You know, it means more people who don't know the word can at least be sustained for a little while. But ultimately, our faith, our trust is in God. The Bible says that that woman with the issue of blood, she tried doctors, she tried physicians. And you know what, you know what sickness does? You know why I hate sickness all the more? It doesn't just steal people's health. It steals their finances, especially if you're watching from the United States. I've heard of horror stories of people going to a hospital for a couple of weeks and then leaving with a $140,000 bill. It's like you leave and you almost wish you had just died. How are you going to pay that off? How are you going to provide for your family now with an extra $1,000 a month payment? And if you don't pay it, they're going to come after you and the IRS is going to close you up. It, it doesn't just steal people's health. It destroys their finances. It takes away their peace. It ultimately seeps into the rest of the family because now the family has to care for you. The family has to take time out of their day to come and visit you. It, sickness has the stamp of hell printed all over it. That's why it's not the will of God. It's the will of hate. It's the will of Satan. It's the will of, of demons. The Bible says one-third of all sicknesses Jesus healed had to do with a demon spirit at work. Those demon spirits, when Jesus cast them out of the mute men or of the deaf people or of the blind people that had blind and mute spirits, they didn't just die and go to hell. They're roaming this earth today and they still have one objective, to crush man's bodies. One objective, one goal, to strip people of divine health, of strength and of energy. And if you don't have a resistance built in you by the word of God, you will fall victim to those things even though God has called you to be more than a conqueror. God has called you to be an overcomer. 1 John 5, 4, whatever has been born of God. And if you're a believer today, if you believe on Jesus Christ, you've turned away from your sin and you've put your faith in the redemptive work of Christ, then you are part of those that have been born of God. And the Bible says what your inheritance is now, such as you've been born of God. The Bible says that you now have overcome this world you've overcome the corruption of this world you've overcome the 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 evil of this world you've overcome the the decaying elements of this world you've overcome the fallen nature of this world and now have dominion and and um power over the things that used to have and dominion over you so let's see how jesus lived Matthew chapter 20 and verse 29 as they went out of jericho a great multitude followed jesus hallelujah you want to know why people don't want to come to church anymore? Because they're not, the church is, I'm not saying everywhere, but a lot of places. They don't represent the will of heaven. And so people don't want anything to do with it. But look, when you start to act and talk like Jesus, look at the book of Acts. They continued Jesus' pla- uh, plan, Jesus' program. They didn't come up with their own little flash shows and all that. They didn't come up with their own little... Uh, knitting groups and whatever just to keep people coming to church. They continue to heal. They continue to set people free. They continue to deliver people by the power of Christ. And if you look in the book of Acts, they had the largest crowds, even larger than in Jesus's ministry. Because Jesus said, these works that you see me do, you will do and greater works because I'm going to the Father. And when people see the greater works done, they will flock to you naturally. Multitudes followed Jesus, and two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. And the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. 
But they cried out all the more. That's religious tradition. Hey, don't bother him with that. You know, there's, there are people who are in worse state than you. You just stay down there. You, you, um, you prideful individual. You selfish person. You just stay down uh, lame and paralyzed and blind and whatnot, whatever problem you might have, because there are other people who have worse scenarios than you do. That's, that's how the religious crowd always taught the people. Just endure it. God's got a plan for it. That's a religious, like I said, uproot every theological tradition. Number two, I want to destroy every if, but, and maybe that might be in your mind concerning God's will to heal you today. And then number three, I want you to leave this broadcast understanding that healing is not pushed off to the future. It is a fact that has been established in the past. It's not something we're reaching forward to. It's something that we can freely expect to receive today. How do I know that? Listen to how listen to what happened. They but the man, the two men, the two blind men cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them to him and said, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Notice how he didn't chastise them for, for crying out, for calling out in their infirmity. Notice how he didn't take them aside and said, you know, if you would just understand and be a little more spiritual, you would see that this sickness is ultimately to the glory of God, that your blindness is working something in you that the Holy Spirit could never even dream to work. That's what people are uh, indirectly saying when they say things like, you know, ultimately that sickness is teaching you a lesson that you would never learn otherwise. So the Holy Spirit isn't the great teacher that Jesus told him he told us he would be? The Holy Spirit needs sicknesses help to teach you something? The word of God isn't sufficient like the word of God says that it's inspired of God, God breathed, infallible, able to teach, to train in righteousness so that we can be fully equipped, not lacking in every good work, in any good work. So the word of God is not the word of righteousness by which God counsels us and teaches us and trains us and leads us in the way we should go. Obviously God's word needs a little assistance of the devil's work to teach us a lesson that we have to learn. Do you see how ridiculous it is? It's non sensical but christians swallow it because it's preached on a lot of pulpits they swallow it without it mindlessly and then stay bound stay down stay sick and die sick and die way ahead of their time when god already said i want you to have life long life that is satisfying and then i'll show you my salvation what do you want me to do for you they said to him lord that our eyes may be open so jesus had compassion on them and touched touched listen to that touched their eyes and immediately their their eyes received sight and they followed him jesus had compassion well god doesn't need to heal anybody any anymore because um that healing package or that healing plan was essentially for the early church to establish the church but after that we've moved on to something greater we've moved on to something more we don't need healing to prove jesus uh, uh, the authenticity of the message of jesus and of the cross anymore the bible doesn't say and jesus felt like he needed to prove something so he touched their eyes and healed them the bible says that he felt compassion for them 
and he touched their eyes and healed them. Jesus' healing ministry was compassion-fueled. It was fueled by his love for mankind. The Bible says, what great love the Father has bestowed on us. God does not hate you. God is not angry at you. You need, number one, before we move on to anything else, you need to detach from self condemnation you need to break free and burn the bridge of your past life of sin past life of and all the guilts and all the the loathing of your past and start to see yourself the way the bible sees yourself as one who has the righteousness of god in christ jesus i'm no longer a sinner I don't, I'm my portion, my table. I don't eat from the same table sinners eat from. I have a new table that is laced and decked out with the choicest blessings of heaven because I've been transferred out of the domain of darkness and I have been transferred into the dominion of light. I belong to a new family. I belong to, stop seeing yourself as whatever your last name is. I have a new last name. I'm part of the family of God. The Bible says we were at one time foreigners to the promises of God. When we were in sin and dead in the trespasses of our sin, we were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. We were cut off of the promises of of, of God. We had no help. We were hopeless and had no ability to contact God. But the Bible says because of the blood, hallelujah, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we who were were far off we who were hopeless we who were cut off we who were aliens to the commonwealth the promises of God strangers to the covenant that God had made with Israel we were brought near because of the blood of Jesus Christ we're no longer foreigners we're no longer strangers to the family of God no we are members of his household and members and citizens of heaven so whatever ran in your family whatever disease genetically was passed down from great-grandfather to grandfather. It, It no longer can run through your family. You now have a new genealogy. Whatever Abraham had, whatever the family of faith had, you can have because Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law and now we have been made partakers of the blessing that God promised Abraham because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So stop seeing yourself the way, you know, identifying with your old nature. Stop saying that. You know, the moment condemnation settles in your heart, I was thinking of this the other day. Even though God has forgiven you of sin, and a lot, most Christians, hopefully, if not all, they understand God has forgiven them of their sin. But they still carry sin in their heart because they haven't detached from the consciousness of sin. They walk with a consciousness of their past sins. They walk because they're taught that we're deprived individuals. We are wretched human beings. We, we are, there is nothing good that is in us anymore. We are, 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 are nothing different from our old self other than we're forgiven. Other than you know God has annulled our debt. But ultimately we still carry the nature of sin in us. And because of that the devil whom we are called to be masters over the devil, because of that condemnation, the devil ends up assuming a position of mastery over the believer because he can hold them tied 
and still on the ropes that sin had on them. Even though they've been freed from sin. Even though the Bible says you don't even have the consciousness of sin anymore. Because they're taught that you have to remain in this state where you have to like remember. Remember, we live in a fallen world. Remember, we're all just wretched human beings. Remember, we're all sinners saved by grace. No, we were sinners. I've been saved by grace. I'm now God's righteousness in Christ Jesus. But when you, when you soak in sorrow and condemnation, which the Bible says there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, you end up being tied up from things that God has actually broken you free from. And as such, sickness, is it grows when there's a consciousness of sin. Sickness is fueled when you have a consciousness of sin. That's why the Bible says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He forgives all my sins and He heals all my diseases. That's why Jesus told that man in Mark chapter 2, Son, your sins are forgiven you. But He's there paralyzed. He didn't, he didn't come to get His sins forgiven that day. He came to get healed. But Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Rise up. The Pharisees criticized him. Who is this man to forgive sins? Jesus said, which is easier for me to say? Son, your sins are forgiven? Or rise up, take up your pallet and walk? But so that you might know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, rise up and walk. And he was healed. So you can see that sickness, because that man had identified with his sin, he could never break free from that sickness, that paralysis. But the moment Jesus cleansed him of that sin, the sickness followed after for free. The sickness left afterwards for free. I pray in the name of Jesus, as you begin to see that Christ has wiped out the debt that you owed, the insurmountable mountain of debt that you owed, God has wiped it out in Christ Jesus. I pray that as your eyes are open to that truth, every single disease, every trace and symptom, every bacteria in your symptom, in your body, will vacate your body today in the mighty name of Jesus. Number one, let's get on to this because I have a lot to cover today. Number one, you must understand. So if you need healing, do these things. What's the number one thing you got to do? You got to understand that it is God's will for you to be healed. Let me turn to math, uh, Mark chapter one. Mark chapter 1. If you're just tuning in now, please share the broadcast. Help me out with get, get, getting this message to as much people as possible so that we can make sure today is a day to remember in hell. That's the day where we lost a bunch of people to the power of God and the truth of God's word. People we had kept sick for long all of a sudden broke free because they came. It'll be like a, you know how they have like anniversaries for good things in life and then there's anniversaries for bad things. It'll be a bad anniversary in hell. Every year they'll be reminded of this day, of how many people will be set free from the power of darkness and turn to the power of God in Jesus' name. Mark chapter 1, listen to this. Verse 40, Now a leper came to Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, see he had that religious posture, imploring him, begging him, kneeling down to him, which is fine, it's, you know, recognizing him as, as Messiah, and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So he had an uncertainty whether God was even willing to make him clean. He had doubts concerning God's will, God's goodness towards him. 
I mean, think of it. Which of you being parents, if you have children, if your, your child is sick, which of you have ever had the thought? How many of you have had that thought? I'd rather take that pain they're feeling on myself so that they can be alleviated from it. Well, where do you think that goodness came from? That's not your own mind. That's because God wired you. His love is in you for that child. And that's the same love he demonstrated towards us on that cross when he himself took upon himself the sicknesses and disease of this world so that we can break free and be alleviated of them. I mean, I, you see your kid have a fever. Immediately, your first thought is, I, I will take, I will gladly absorb that fever so that they can go on and play and run around the yard again and be happy and have that smile again and be out of bed. Where do you think that came from? The Father of lights, every good and perfect gift is given from above. The Father of lights. And there's no shifting shadow or variant of change. You know why I, you know, I, I can't get along with preachers and ministries and church leaders that, that speak of healing like us, of some like extra work God does when he feels like it. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 13:8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So the way we see Jesus deal with people in the Gospels, he hasn't changed. He is the Lord God who changes not. Only man's opinion of him has changed. And it's warped people's thinking. And if your thoughts aren't right, your believing won't be right. And if your believing won't be right, James 1 says, He that doubts is like the waves of the sea, tossed to and fro. Let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's why this broadcast is essential. To to reshape your thinking. To pattern it after the word of God. Romans 12. Be not conformed to the patterns of this world. Don't be conformed to the patterns of another man's thoughts or opinions about God or his theological tradition of what he thinks God is like. Instead, let your mind be renewed by the word of God so that you can prove to this generation what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. If healing wasn't part of the gospel, why is it in Acts chapter 14? Paul is preaching at Lystra. He's preaching. The Bible doesn't say uh, anything else other than he was preaching. And there was a man there who was a cripple, an impotent, one who had never walked. He was listening to Paul preach and he had faith to be healed. Why is it that he had faith to be healed? Unless Paul was preaching that healing is part of the gospel. Or else Paul would have just preached uh, forgiveness of sins. God sent his son. So that we can have our sins forgiven and get to heaven. And that's it. Don't expect anything else. Then the Bible might have said he had faith to be saved. It might have said something like he had faith to have his sins forgiven. But the scripture is very clear in Acts 14 and verse 7, uh, verses 10 through 11, I believe it is. Or no, sorry, Acts 14, 8 through 10. The Bible's very clear to say he had faith to be healed. So something Paul was preaching was stimulating faith in that man's heart not to receive forgiveness of sins but to get up and walk and Paul seeing that he had faith to be healed said to him in a loud voice that's why I preach in a loud voice Paul preached in a loud voice I like to stay to keep things biblical stand up straight on your feet and when he did the man was made well and he began to run and leap and praise God Acts chapter 3 The Bible says Peter and John are on the way to prayer at the ninth hour and a man is there who's lame, paralyzed and he sees Peter and John walking by him and he lifts his hands out expecting to receive charitable donations from them uh, so that, you know, he can buy his, his next Starbucks coffee. 
But the Bible says Peter and John looked on them and said to them, silver and, God, silver and gold we have not, but such as we do have, give we unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. So they saw that in the name, in the authority of Jesus, there is power to heal people. I mean, the whole New Testament. Jesus didn't say, what you've seen me do, you know, you guys will just be able to preach about it, but you won't be able to have any experience in what you've experienced with me. No, the complete opposite. Matthew chapter 9. He saw the multitudes coming to him, and he felt compassion for them. Again, he saw them as distressed, dispirited, heavy laden, wearied, crushed by life's pressure. And thank God Jesus wasn't like a Pharisee. Just out there to stone them. Religion brings stones. Jesus brought love, forgiveness, healing, and power to set men free. He felt compassion for them. And the Bible says he saw them as sheep with distress, dispirited, sheep without shepherd. And the Bible says he called his 12 to him. And he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of sickness. So at that point in Jesus' ministry, he saw things were getting to the level where he himself couldn't, he couldn't handle the, the massive load. It was too much. Because remember, Jesus was a human, 100% God, but human. He came and took flesh and blood. He got wearied. He got tired. And the demand of ministry was too much for one person. So what did he do? He commissioned the 12. And then you move on in Luke chapter 10. He commissioned 70 other people. Now there's 82 people that he's cloned his own ministry in them. That's the gospel message. It's not Jesus has left. Let's just sit and, and, uh, and tolerate this wicked world and complain about all the things that have gone wrong in life. And then one day we'll, we'll make heaven and things will get right again. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Christ cloning his ministry. First of all, us tasting of the ministry of Christ when we were saved by this glorious gospel. And then Christ cloning that ministry in us. And saying to the, the same thing he told to the disciples. Remember what he told the disciples. What I say to you, I say to all. And he told them, I'm giving you power over all the work of the devil. To trample on serpents and scorpions. And nothing will, will ever by any means hurt you. And he said, now as you go, preach this kingdom. Preach this gospel of the kingdom. And heal the sick. Jesus even said, it's not a complete gospel of the kingdom unless you heal the sick. Healing is not some add-on to the message of the cross. Healing is the main meal. Or Roberts used to say, healing is the dinner bell to get people to, to, into, into salvation. It's the dinner bell. It calls people to salvation. It shows people so much about the nature of God and the character of God. It illustrates that God is not just words on a book. God is alive and well. And he loves us. And he's there to fight for us and rescue us from the torment of the enemy. Hallelujah. So number one, you got to understand God's will is to heal, to heal you. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and said, corrected him. Before he healed him, he corrected him. And he said, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the lep leprosy left him and he was clean. I want you to turn to John 14. So right there, I mean, that should clear it up for any serious student of theology in the future. That God wills, because remember, Acts 10.34, God is no 
a shower of favorites. He doesn't have personal favoritism. He's no respecter of persons, the Bible says. But in every nation, the one who comes to him, he's welcome to him. And he'll do the same to one what he does. He'll do the same to all what he's done to one. Never. Actually, I want to read this. I want to read this. Uh, I have it written in my notes right here. Tiff Shuttlesworth, evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth, my mentor in the faith, he, he wrote this on Instagram the other day on a post, and I want to read it because it's very, very powerful. This is what he said. Number one, Jesus was never sick. You never see. Jesus came, Hebrews 1.3, is the exact representation of the nature and will of the Father. So number one, you see Jesus was never sick unless, until he was sick for us on that cross. Number two, Jesus never made anyone sick. You don't see him going around and seeing healthy people and laying hands on them and say, receive a little sickness, you need to be humbled for a little while. You don't see that happen in anywhere of the Gospels. You, you never see God lay sickness on anybody. Even in the Old Testament, the Bible says he will allow it to happen if you, if you disobey. So that allowance is not even for people that are in absolute adherence to God's commandments. If you study, which we'll get into in Exodus 15, 26, it says, if, you do, if you'll obey my statutes and keep my covenants and my, obey my commandments today that I'm issuing to you, you will... Um, I'll not permit any of the diseases that I've permitted or allowed to come upon the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, I'm your healer. So Jesus never made anyone sick. Number three, Jesus, and then obviously you're going to have someone pop up and say, what about Job? Study the book of Job. God never made Job sick. The Bible says in Job 2.7, Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with boils. Satan went forth. Not God went forth. Satan went forth. Get this in your spirit today. Satan is the oppressor. Jesus is the healer. Number three, Jesus never told anyone to remain sick when they came to him. He never told the leper, hey, you know, you're, you're a leper for a little while, but understand, one day you'll have clean skin in heaven. He never did that. He didn't tell uh, the woman with the issue of blood when she touched the hem of his garment. He didn't look behind her and said, you think that's going to work? No, no, no way, Jose. You're trying to accelerate something. You're trying to, to reach for something I've never even given to you. No, you got to stay with that hemorrhage. Matter of fact, you've had it for 12 years. Because of this impatience in that trial, I'm going to add another 12 years of hemorrhaging in that, in that area. No, the Bible says he never, made, he never told anyone to remain sick. The moment they came to him. Matter of fact, some people didn't even come to him. John 5, he goes to the pool of Bethesda and he sees a man who didn't even, he didn't even ask Jesus to heal him. He just saw him and saw him that he had been lying there in a long while. A long while in that condition. And he went and said, do you want to be made well? And the man said, I have no man to help you. I have no man to help me. Jesus said, get up. You don't need men. I'm here. Be healed. And the man was made well of whatever affliction he had. You see in... In, uh, further on in the Gospels, in John chapter 9, a man is born blind. And Jesus, just passing by, spit, guy didn't even ask for it. Just spits on the floor, takes some clay, anoints his eyes with the clay, and says, go and wash. And he came back seeing. Jesus never told anybody to remain sick. Number four, Jesus never taught that God uses sickness as a life lesson. It's not in the Bible. And then number five, Jesus never refused anyone who came to him in faith to be healed. He never refused to heal anybody who came to him in faith for healing. I like what Oral Roberts says. Oral Roberts, in his book, If You Need Healing, um, Do These Things, what I titled my broadcast. 
He says, God looks upon sickness as an oppression of the devil, as a captivity of Satan, as part of the curse of the law, as something that he took and bore on the cross, and as something that needs to be destroyed through faith, prayer, and sometimes fasting. So number one, understand God's will is for you to come out of that sickbed today. I told you to turn to John 14. Listen to what the Bible says here. Verse, uh, verse 6, Jesus said to, to Philip, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus says in verse 7, If you had known me, you would have known my Father. From now you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you still don't know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I'm not speaking of my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me, he does the work. So believe me that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me. Or else, believe me for the sake of the works themselves. John chapter 6 and verse 38. John 6 and verse 38. This, listen to this. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, Jesus said, but the will of God who sent me. So how can we know God's will is for you to be healed today? Jesus himself said, I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the will of God who sent me. And that will cannot be changed. The scripture is clear. The heavens will fade away. The, the earth will pass away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And God's word is God's will in print. The Bible's very clear in Numbers 23 and verse 19 that God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should change his mind concerning your case. What he has spoken, he will make good on. What he has said, he will perform. The Bible says, I am the Lord your God and I change not. Hebrews in chapter 10, I believe it is, God desiring to show the immutability of his counsel the unchangeableness of his word to Abraham. Desiring to show the unchangeableness of his will. He confirmed it by an oath. In saying, because I can swear by no one greater, I will swear by myself. God's word works and God's will never changes because God's will is backed by an oath that God said, I have sworn by myself. God has sworn by himself that what he has said he will do if you'll believe. That's how unchanged. God's word is as unchangeable as God's person. Because he's not a man that, that, that he should lie. And then the scripture says, even when men are faithless, he still abides faithful to his word. Romans 3 says it this way. If other people fail to receive, if other people uh, were faithless, the, does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? Other people's story does not change God's will for you. It doesn't matter. And I say this with all, you know, loving compassion. I don't like seeing people die before their time. 
That's why I'm doing a broadcast like this. But just because someone died before their time does not mean God has modified his final will and testament as observed in the Bible. It stays the same through the ages. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heavens. So be convinced today. The first obstacle you need to clear and pass by before you, you get to your healing today is you have to be absolutely, inadvertently, convinced that God is earnestly, passionately, and eager to heal you now. That it's not just the cherry on the top. If it was, people talk about healing like it's some non-essential thing. People talk about healing like it's, it's some like hobby that God had, but he doesn't do it no more. Healing was so important that Jesus, he didn't have to stop at that whipping pole to get whipped and lashed on his back. He could have gone straight to the cross and taken nails because it's but he was pierced for our transgressions. It was through his piercings, the blood shed through his piercings on his hands and his feet that we are saved from sin. If God just wanted to heal you, uh, to save you, he would have skipped the whipping post and gone straight to the cross in Christ. But he took a pit stop. He said, before I go and do that, let me do this first. And he took lashes upon his back. The Roman whip was laced with nine prongs that when they were dug into someone's flesh, they had like hooks that would rip off the flesh and the muscle tissue and the skin. So every one of those 39 lashes was actually 39 times nine because every lash had nine individual lashes in it. The Bible says he was marred beyond recognition. After he went to that whipping post, they couldn't even recognize his body anymore. The Bible says he was beyond the form of a human. Isaiah 53 says that, or 52. He was beyond the form of a human. He lost his humanity. He was ripped to shreds. He didn't have to do that. He could have gone straight to the cross and been crucified, and that was it. But he took stripes on his back so that through those stripes, the price that needed to be paid for our physical health and well-being was paid. So that now, John said in 3 John verse 2, Beloved, I pray and I wish that above all things you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Healing's not a side issue. Healing was important enough for Jesus to go through an excruciating process before the cross to break you free from it forever. Number one, understand God's will is for your healing. Number two, I want you to understand if you need healing, do these things. Do what? Understand the devil is the oppressor and Jesus is the healer. I want to read Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. If you're just tuning in now, please share the broadcast. It'd be a great help to me. Acts 10, 38. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, doing good, doing good, not doing evil, 
Think of it. Going back to that last point. If, if healing was not God's will, Jesus spent his whole ministry undoing the will of the Father. If healing was not the will of God, Jesus was an absolute, he was not the sinless sacrificial lamb of God. He would have been an absolute rebellion against God his entire life and ministry because everywhere he went, they brought to him those that were sick and diseased and he healed them with the word and he cast out the demons and that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by prophet Isaiah. He healed our sickness and carried our pains. They brought to him at the Sea of Galilee and he skirted the Sea of Galilee, healing all that were lamed and all that were paralyzed and all that were blind and deaf and the multitudes marveled the bible says that he walked into a synagogue and a man with a withered hand was there and he said stretch out all of that would have been direct acts of rebellion and violating god's perfect order if god didn't want to heal people and humanity so this scripture shows you that healing is good number one and the bible says he went about healing all who were oppressed by who the devil oppressed by the devil i want you to write it in the comment section satan is the oppressor jesus is the healer satan's desire is to afflict you and crush you with the burden of sickness of disease of infirmity of weakness he wants to zap you of strain he wants to plague you with uh, pain and suffering and you see that throughout the entire bible Satan has like an obsession with the bodies of human. You want to know why? Because what was Satan's number one goal and what ultimately got him cast out of heaven? He said, I want to ascend above the heavens, above the mountain of God, and I want to be like God. He got cast out of heaven. But when God was making mankind, what did God say? He didn't say, let us make man in an image of an angel. He didn't say, let us make man in the image of an archangel. He said, let us make man in the image of us, of God. We are made in God's image. So because Satan has no ability to afflict God in heaven, what he can't do to God, he seeks to do to mankind. Because we are made in the image of God. It's the closest thing you'll ever get to punching God in the face is by punching you with sickness. He's so obsessed with the body of man, the Bible says in Jude, let me read it. Jude verse 9. Jude verse 9. Listen to this. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about what? The body of Moses. Dare not bring an against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil over the body of Moses. Why was the devil obsessed with the body of Moses? He was dead. He was donezo. Finito, benito. Nothing buried. Why did he obsess over the body of Moses? Because the devil tried to get him during Moses' earthly journey. But remember, Moses was the one who had the revelation of Exodus 15, 26. There was the waters of Marah that were bitter waters. And the, disciple, the, the Israelites started to drink from the waters and they started to have bacterial infiltrate, infiltrate their system. They got sick. Some of them were getting real sick. They couldn't even walk anymore. And God cried out, uh, Moses cried out to God, Lord, what are we to do? God showed him a piece of wood, a tree, which D.L. Moody said was a type and a foreshadow of the cross. 
God said, take that piece of wood and cast it into the waters and it shall be that the waters will be cleared of the bacteria and they will be sweet waters. And he made a statue with Israel that day. If you will indeed observe my statutes and do my covenant and keep my commandments, I will not allow any of the diseases that came upon the Egyptians to come on you for I am the Lord your healer. And from that moment onward, God's covenant of healing was established with Israel as long as they kept in holiness as long as they refuse to uh, to to fashion for themselves other idols and follow after other gods they maintained an abnormally strong nation the bible says he brought them out with silver and gold and for 40 years there was none feeble or weak amongst all their tribe so strong was that tribe of Israel that they didn't even have their clothes wither out and the sandals beneath their feet didn't wither out for 40 years. All of that, their healing for those 40 years in that wilderness was attributed to that one covenant God made in Exodus 15 and 26 when he said, I am Jehovah Rapha. You know, it's amazing how people are so quick to preach Jehovah Tzikenu, the Lord our righteousness. How many of you know we don't have to go to hell anymore? God came to save us. We are now righteous with Christ. But then when it comes to healing, well, we can't really know what God's will is for everyone. We can't make these blanket statements that God wants to heal all. You know, it's a case-by-case basis. You can't see it that way. Because if it's a case-by-case basis, then how do we know you're the case God wants to heal? And if you don't know you're the case God wants to heal, then how could you have perfect faith? And if you can't have perfect faith, how are you going to get healed? Because it's by faith, the Bible says, that He rewards us. Bible says, doubt of thy faith has made you whole. So because Satan couldn't oppress Moses' body while he was alive, he contended to receive and destroy. He wanted to rip that body to shreds even after his death. Satan is the oppressor. Job 2.7. Satan departed from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with boils. Luke chapter 13. Listen to this. Luke 13. I told you I'd read scriptures today. And I'm not apologizing for it. Luke 13 and verse 10. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, was bent over, could no way rise herself up. And when Jesus saw her there, he called her to himself and said, Woman, you're loose from your infirmity. So he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, religion, popped its head up. Anytime miracles start popping out, you'll always see a religious devil show up and say, ah, this can't be of God, they're not doing it. You've never had a healing 40 years in the ministry and you're going to start talking about some people who've had healings in their ministry? Your whole ministry has been, there are ministries, quote unquote ministries, that are dedicated towards debunking healing in the Bible. And they call themselves the watchmen on the tower. They're full. They're not even a ministry because there's no. <laughs> the fivefold ministry is apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. There's no ministry of criticism or ministry of watchmen on the tower. They never win souls. All they do, they see it as because there's this guy who, unfortunately, he's in a wheelchair, and uh, and you know, he was born. I think he was born with. Um, what do you call that thing? Uh, polio. I believe that's what he was born with. He's in a wheelchair, and he, he didn't receive healing. Who knows, you know, not going into that. But now his whole ministry is to go around 
debunking healing ministers and telling them it's all fake. It's all, it's all fake. Why is it that in the last three days, in the last three days, I've had three people, and I've only posted one, but three people come to me while we were, they were in a meeting with us, or th- actually two of them were on a broadcast that I did with Isaiah Salivar uh, in, in January, I believe it was, where I prayed for healing in, in wombs, specifically. If you're a, a woman, I said, if you're a woman and you've not been able to conceive, doctor said your womb's messed up or whatever, that God's going to heal your womb and you're going to conceive. Three, uh, two people from that pr- specific broadcast have, me- have messaged us recently saying, I'm, I'm 12 weeks pregnant now. Another one is nine weeks pregnant. Uh, you know, right after that broadcast, nothing to do with me. It's just when you speak the word, people begin to expect God to move on their behalf. And when their expectations lined up, it's amazing. God actually makes good on his promise. What a novelty. I got another one this morning. A lady in November in Saskatchewan. Uh, doctor said that her, her womb was like messed up. She had one, she has one child, but she's been believing for a second child. And I don't know, something happened with the womb or whatever. And uh, doctor said, you're not going to be able to conceive a second child. Got a message today. She's 12 weeks pregnant. 12 weeks pregnant. You know how happy that makes me? You'll, you'll find out really clear, really quickly. When you th- start to get your doctrine lined up with the Bible, you'll start to see the works that were seen in the Bible. He is the God who the Bible says makes the barren woman a a joyful woman like a mother. The Bible says none of your women shall miscarriage nor shall they be barren. God's healing package contains within itself power not only so that you never miscarry again. If you're a woman, man, this is obviously a specific word. Not only... That you, uh, you don't miscarry another day in your life, another baby. But that you, if you're barren today, if you've not been able to conceive, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ, the healing virtue of heaven is infiltrating that womb and everything that's been not functioning according to its original uh, order gets healed and touched and restored today in Jesus' mighty name. Someone just wrote, TJ, you prayed live on your broadcast that my father who was hospitalized from COVID, be healed. And four days later, he was released from the hospital and sent home. You see, that's not the case for everyone. That's the power of God. This stuff is real. Immediately, the ruler of the synagogue was filled with indignation. There are six days on which men ought to work. Come on and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath. And the Lord said to them, so this is how Jesus deals with religious spirits. You hypocrites does not each one of you on the sabbath loose his loose his ox or his donkey from the stall they had more compassion for animals than they did for humans what a perversion and lead it away to water it ought not listen to the words of jesus in verse 16 luke 13 16 ought not this woman being a daughter of abraham whom satan has bound not whom god has bound not, that, not whom the Holy Spirit has bound. Whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years. People stay 18 years, 20 years bound because they're not taught the truths that I'm teaching you today. 
but the entrance of his word brings light and that light scatters darkness i pray as you i know there's some of you watching right now i've shattered religious tradition in your brain since the beginning of this broadcast and light is beginning that joy that you're starting to sense that hope you're starting to feel man i'm gonna be healed man god wants to heal me that's not human that's not wishful thinking that's god's spirit drawing you towards his healing package that he asked for you today and i tell you in the name of jesus christ today today's the day of salvation today's the day to be healed today's the day to break free from sickness and disease today's the day to taste and see that the lord is good and his goodness endures forever today's the day where you're not gonna die you shall live and be healed and tell of the glory of the lord today's the day where when you called on him for salvation of sin and you were saved in that very moment today you're calling on him as healer of your body as the divine physic physician and ye shall leave this broadcast restored that what was not present in Eden no longer shall be present in your body in Jesus name hallelujah whatever was, was not present in Eden is not permitted to stain your body from today so when you start to see that Satan's the oppressor what's going to happen the same attitude Jesus had towards sin he carried towards sickness why? Because he knew sin, for this reason, the Son of God was made manifest to destroy the work of the devil. The work of the devil is sin and sickness. Sick, sin and sickness are the Siamese twins of hell. I think it was John Alexander Dowie that says, sickness is the foul offspring of Satan its father and sin its mother. Sickness is the foul offspring. So when you start to see sickness as not just a part of life, you can't see it like that. It's just another part of life. How many of you know we all have our battles? Some people it's physical. You can't see it that way. Because then you're not going to have any violence in your spirit to attack it at its root. But when you start to see that the devil the, is the root problem of that sickness, then something will rise up from within, a holy violence and boldness to attack it the same way you would attack sin in your life. You shouldn't tolerate sickness in your body the same way you don't tolerate sin in your spirit. should be disgusting to you. Like Elijah, when they came to arrest him in 2 Kings 1, he said, if I, you're coming to arrest me, if I be a man of God, let fire come and consume you. Satan has come to arrest you with sickness. And if you placate it and tamper it, he'll do whatever he wants done. You'll be a field day. He'll, you'll be a playground for him to jump from monkey bar to monkey bar. But if you'll start to stand ground today and say, if I be a man of God, if I be a woman of God, Jesus said to this woman, this is a daughter of Abraham. You're a son of Abraham. You're a son of God. You're not destined for sickness you're better than that god has ordered health in your body quit sitting why sit you there until you die rise up take up your bed and walk in the name of jesus christ i know someone just got healed i know it i know it i know it. i know when divine power is transferred from me to someone and i know somebody just got healed hallelujah that's right natasha sickness is not your portion what a would you let someone come into your house? Man, I feel the unction of God. What a beautiful anointing. Would you let someone just walk into your house and start taking your 65-inch flat screen TV off as you're watching your favorite television show? And then you just sit on the couch and say, well, how many of you know? God didn't promise us the easy way. He just said we'd get through it. 
No, you take, you take authority. Hey, you're trespassing. Well, sickness is a trespass in your body. The Bible, oh, hallelujah. The Bible says you are, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. God dwells in you. And 2 Corinthians 6 says, if anything thinks to defile the temple of God, God will destroy. Sickness is a defilement of God's temple, which temple you are. And as such, it's entitled to one thing, and that's to be destroyed, obliterated, eradicated. That's why Wigglesworth, when he prayed for the sick, there's a guy in San Francisco, had a stomach cancer, big, bulging stomach cancer out of his, right off his abdomen. His doctor brought him, there was nothing else they can do. His doctor was standing right by, he was on a stretcher. Wigglesworth took his hand and balled up his fist. And he did three rounds and he sucked the guy right in his stomach. And the guy like just like fell unconscious. And the doctor checked his pulse and he's like, I think he's dead. The family's going to sue you. The family will sue you. And Wigglesworth looked back without even skipping a beat and said, he's healed. Leave me alone. And he kept on praying for other sick people. Five minutes later, that guy was off his hospital bed, running around the sanctuary, and because he still had his hospital gown on, his back end was uncovered, and everyone was seen, but they didn't care. The whole auditorium erupted in laughter and praise unto God, because the guy's tumor supernaturally shrunk, and he was healthy and well, and death lost its hold on him. Hallelujah. There was a another story of a... a of a, a, a lady in John G. Lake's travels in South Africa. She had a, a same thing, a tumor on her stomach. And he took his hand and slapped her stomach. Why would they be so aggressive? Because Wigglesworth said it. When I saw sickness, I, I saw the face of the devil. And I don't deal with him like he's a gentleman. So he would violently and aggressively, like almost harass it. <laughs> If you came to be prayed for by him, he, you got to be open to anything. He kicked a baby once that was dead and it came back to life. Wigglesworth went into a, a funeral. The Lord said, this one's, you're to resurrect this one. So he walks into the funeral home and um, walks to the casket, which was an open casket, pulls the guy out. Could you imagine this happening? This is like, this happened. Shoot, like throws him in the, like, uh, the corner of the, of the room. So that he can stand up. And he stepped step back and he said, in the name of Jesus, live. And the body began to like fall down. And then he said it again, in the name of Jesus, live. And the body began to fall down. And he said it a third time, in the name of Jesus, live. And it's, all of a sudden his body jolt back to life. And if you think, oh man, those are just stories from the 1900s. We don't see that anymore. David Oyedepo, the founder of the Living, uh, Living Faith Tabernacle in Ota, Nigeria, had a testimony service not too long ago. A kid that was dead. He was like a teenager. Dead for a full week. They had embalmed him with embalming flu uh, fluid. And some other teenagers who that were his friend were uh, listening to Bishop Oedepo preach that he's the resurrection and the life. So they left. That day, went to the morgue where he was held. The body was held. 
They asked to see the body and they began to pray over him, laying hands on him. The kid that was seven days dead, cold skin, blue, filled with embalming fluid, jumped back to life. My question to you today is if God can raise the dead, do you honestly think that diabetes is something that worries him? Do you honestly think Stop overemphasizing your case to God and start to focus on the God who can do the impossible for you today. And I tell you, you will rise. You will rise. You will rise in Jesus' mighty name. And I can go on with testimonies. There was a lady um, in, when I was preaching in Laval and uh, she hadn't told anybody. That's another key you have to hold. If you're going to go around when you get sick or you're sick right now and you, you're going to go around and just try and secure everybody's sympathy for your case, just the pity party because you love, you love when people feel bad for you. You know there are people like that. If you're going to be like that, you'll, you'll stay sick and, and you'll never get well. You have to choose today. I'm either going to secure sympathy from men or I'm going to secure help from God. I'm either going to secure sympathy and pity from men or I'm going to secure help from God. She didn't tell anybody because she said, they can't help me anyways, so I'm going to go. We were doing revival meetings. She said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to believe God for my healing. She walks in, walks into that, uh, that building, listens to me preach. While I'm preaching, I felt to call her out. It was like a, she was highlighted in my spirit. She gets up, and I walked her. Now, she had cervical cancer, and she was dying. Doctors gave her, you know, a couple of months and they were going to try some surgery on her just to like see if it worked. But ultimately the, the cancer was spreading quickly. And so I called her out and I said, without knowing her case, nothing. I just told her, you're going to live and you will not die and you shall declare the work of the Lord. He sent his word and it healed them and delivered them from all the destruction. She falls under the power of God, gets back up. You know, just like Hannah, nothing in the natural change. Nothing. It's not like she had an MRI that very moment. And, oh man, it's gone. She goes back to the doctor. A month later, gets the test results back. She 100% well. No more cancer. No more, no more growths in her cervix. Everything was gone. I want to ask you something. Has God changed? No. What God will do for one, he'll do for all. This is where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. Healing is in redemption. I'll stop with this last point. Healing is a redemptive blessing. Healing was paid for at the cross the same way salvation from your sin was paid for at the cross. The moment you choose to believe Jesus as Savior from sin and you get saved from sin, the same way that worked and you used your faith for that, you have to direct your faith today towards Christ as the great physician and the healer of your body. Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 53. The healing chapter of the Bible and the Messianic prophecy. Surely he has borne our sicknesses. He bore your sickness. If he bore, you know what redeemed means? Redeemed means you've been bought back. The price was paid for you to come back. If, so, if you're waiting... Uh, in grocery line at the grocery store and you come to the cashier and uh, you, you check out all your items and someone pops up from behind you and says I'm paying for it swipes their credit card 
And then you all of a sudden say, no, 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 no. I'd like to pay for it again a second time. The cashier would look at you funny. You don't have to pay for it a second time. It's already been paid for once. Now your, your debt is paid. It's paid in full by the precious blood that Jesus spilled for you and for me. And the curse of sin has no hold on you. Whom Christ sets free is free indeed. Sickness is listed as a curse of the law. A curse that came because of sin. Christ came to atone us. To absorb not only sin, the penalty, the consequence of sin. The punishment of sin was laid on him. He, was born, he has borne our sicknesses. He carried our pains. Well, I'm not sick. I just have pain. Falls under the same, same category. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was he was wounded, pierced through for our transgressions that dealt with sin. He was bruised for our iniquities that dealt with our guilt stain. The chastisement of our peace was upon him that dealt with mental torment and anguish. And by his stripes, we are healed. For like sheep, we've gone astray, all of us. We've turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity, the punishment of it all on Christ Jesus. Turn to Matthew 8 now. If you'll study the Gospels, you'll find out that Jesus was either on his way to heal somebody or was in the act of healing somebody or three, was just leaving somebody he had healed and there was a rejoicing party going on behind him. Jesus was either on his way to heal, was healing, or was leaving a place where he had healed an individual or many. It's, it was his life. It was everything he did. It oozed out of him. He's not a God who heals. He is healing. And when you accept him into your heart, you are now carrying. The Bible says Christ has become unto us redemption, sanctification, and righteousness from God. Christ in you, you've been, you are a dead, diseased branch, but you've been grafted into the living vine. And now the life force of the vine, which is Christ, flows into your diseased branch. And the diseased branch doesn't disease the vine. It's the vine that overwhelmingly conquers the disease in the branch and brings you healing. Hallelujah. Listen to this, Matthew 8. Verse 16, when evening had come, they brought to him all who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word, and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and carried our pains. I'm going to finish with a story, and then I'm going to pray for you. There was a man, some of you have already heard it, but if, it's, if you're just uh, a new watcher, a new viewer, or re someone who recently tagged onto this broadcast, welcome. This is a powerful story. R.W. Shambach, an evangelist, um, who's gone home to be with the Lord. He was preaching in Buffalo, New York, was doing a tent crusade. And after the crusade, he went to a, he had fasted the entire day and he went to a, 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 one of the elders' house. They had invited him to come and eat with him, uh, with them. And they had asked him, you know, we know you're fasting these days, so what would you like to eat to break your fast? And he just told them everything he had ever dreamed of. You know, prime rib and fried chicken and whatnot. So he shows up. He's hungry now. They sit around the table and he's about to like, pray and he said i was going to pray 
the quickest prayer ever known to man. Bless this food, amen, and just eat. But the man said, before we pray, can I just tell you my testimony? And R.W. Shambach at first was like, well, he was hungry. So he's like, just make it quick on Like he didn't say it, but he thought it. The man starts telling his testimony. He said, you see me healthy and whole and strong today. But I wasn't always like this. And he says, I don't know if it was 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I'm not sure what the exact date was. He says, I was given a diagnosis of spinal meningitis. And uh, from that moment, I had a good position in government. I was making a lot of money. I had houses around the states. And uh, I had to, you know, I was dying. So I had to, I had to like spend a lot of money going to different experts in the field of, of, of like, you know, that area of the, bo- the body. He said, I had to sell my homes to keep up with the medical debt that I owed. And he came to the point where he was like 95 pounds or something tied to an IV, was being fed only through intravenous and uh, salt. It was like a sugar and water solution and stuff. And he had no strength in his body. And they eventually just put him into a coma. He lost everything. His houses he had to sell to pay for the debt. His own money, he was bankrupt. Had very little money left in his bank account. So he was hanging on by a thread and then he went into a coma. In that coma, he was... uh, He was able to hear, but he couldn't see. And so one day, about two or three months into that coma, the doctors come in. He's down to like 90 pounds. Doctors walk in, and uh, the nurse is there, and they invited a priest, Catholic priest to come in and give him the final rite. So he did his prayer benediction or whatnot, and then he prayed his his little prayer, and he signed the papers of, um, like the death papers, the certificate of death. And... uh, the doctor told the, the and he, he was hearing everything as this was happening. The doctor told the priest, it won't be by night's fall before this guy's dead. And so they walked out of the room and uh, the nurse had like, you know, tucked him in and whatnot. He said, when they walked out of the room, my eyes opened and I, li- I saw, I could see past and beyond the foot of my bed. They walked out using a physical door. The moment they did, another priest walked in, but there was something different about this priest. He didn't use the physical door. He walked right through the wall. That first priest came in with a, 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 like a, a black gown and a little white thing in their neck. This one had a white, long, flowing robe. And he came to me at the side of my bed. And he, he like put his his mouth right next to my ear and he said these words and this was a word this was something that rw shamba kept preaching the rest of his his ministry he said these words you don't need or you don't have sorry you don't have any trouble all you need is faith in god the man sat there in his bed and he said i don't have any trouble if this isn't trouble i don't know what trouble is And the man stooped down again and he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. I am here to heal you. Get up and as I leave, get up and walk. Go into the bathroom and shave. Clean up. After you've done that, go to the local Christian bookstore and buy a Bible. Go to the book of John and I'm going to tell you words by which you can be saved in your spirit. And the, the man just walked out. And he sat there thinking to himself, I don't have any trouble. 
Man, what's this guy on? He said, if that really was Jesus and he's healing me, let me just try at least. He, his leg, he forces his left leg off the bed and his right leg off the bed. And he gets to in a sitting position. So now, you know, he sees there's obviously something happening because he wasn't able to stand up or sit up at all before. He sits off the edge of his bed and he, make, he takes a step of faith and stands up. The moment he stood up, he said it was like I had ingested three T-bone steaks and I felt in my body I was whole. He gets up, goes to the bathroom and starts shaving like Jesus had told. The nurse that had tucked him in walks in, comes by the bed and doesn't see a body there, lifts the... Lifts the uh, The cloth back, and she yells, Ah! Where's the body? She thought like he had raptured up like Elijah did, taken up by a windstorm. Then she sees a little crack of light coming from the bathroom door, and she hears humming. So she walks to the bathroom door, opens it up, and she gets behind him and says, Oh, you poor thing! Don't you know you're dying? What are you doing up? And he replies and looks to her and he says, I was dying. Because the, the lady had said, don't you know the priest came in and gave you the last rites? Like, what are you doing? He turns to her and says, that priest came and gave me the last rites. But another priest came in and gave me the first rites and said, ye shall live and not die. And ye shall taste and see of the goodness of the Lord. And he was whole and healthy from that moment onward. I'm here to tell you, Jesus wasn't just a high priest to make sure you make it to heaven. He is the high priest of our confession. And our confession is that we shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. He came as the savior of sin from him, for humanity. He came as the great physician and the healer of our sicknesses and disease for humanity. The same trust we have for us to be saved and make it to heaven is the same faith we can use today to be healed in our physical bodies and rise up out of that sick bed i tell you in the name of jesus christ in the name of jesus wherever you're watching from i want you to take your hand as a point of contact and put it wherever your sickness is wherever if it's in a bunch of sicknesses running through your body just put it on your head if it's a pain in your arm put it on your hand your arm if it's a pain in your heart if it's a blood pressure whatnot just put it on wherever the sickness is wherever the infirmity is and we're gonna pray in the name of jesus christ I declare by the authority of the gospel of Christ that's been vested in me, every tumor withers up at the root now. Every form of blood pressure problems gets regulated now in the name of Jesus Christ. Every disease in the structural makeup of the body, every disease in the cartilage of the flesh, every disease of the flesh, eczema, uh, dryness of the skin, melanoma, cancer of the skin, every disease in the cartilage of the knees, pain in the knees, pain in the lower back, pain in the neck, in the name that is above every other name, I command those things to bow, to seize, and to desist from your body now in Jesus' name. I pray against blindness. I, I command your eyes to come open now. I, I command, I demand the miracle working power of God to hit you in your area of your knee. If it's blind eyes, your eyes come open today. If it's maculate degeneration, if God can heal the blind, then maculate degeneration is nothing much to Him. If He can heal the blind, then optical nerve damage 
damage is nothing much to him. I command full restoration of your sight. I command opening of the ear, of your deaf ears right now. Hardness of hearing in Jesus' name gets reversed now. You'll be able to hear a pin drop a mile away. Supernatural, supernatural healing comes to you right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, and we call it done. I want you to take 30 seconds and just lift your hands up in thanksgiving to God. Thank Him that you're healed. Thank Him that those stripes that He took on His back were more than enough to pay for our physical wellness. He's not coming back for a 40th stripe. He's done everything in His power to do that He needed to do to get healing virtue to flow your way. Remember, they came to hear him and be healed. Don't seek to just hear what I'm saying. Seek to be healed. Make a decision today to be healed. Choose healing today. You can choose to die. You can expect sickness. Or you can choose to be healed and choose to live and expect healing virtue to flow your way. Like that woman with the issue of blood. She said to herself, I will touch. I'm going to connect. I'm going to reach forward for my healing. I'm not staying here. I'm not moving on the same way that I came here. I reject it with every fiber of my being. I'm going to live a long life. You think 30 is long? You think 60 is long? You think 45 is long? Abraham died 175. Jacob died 140. Isaac died 145 or something like that. Those, that's, we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Stop biting into that crap. We're not promised tomorrow. We can go at any time. The only way I'm going is if a trumpet sounds. The only way I'm going tomorrow is if a trumpet sounds and the rapture happens. Then I'll gladly go up. But I will live long. Not because I'm arrogant, not because I'm boastful. Some boast in chariots. Some boast in nice diet and exercise. I'm not against diet and exercise. You should eat well and you should exercise. You, could, you should treat your body well. But my boast is in the Lord. And there's a covenant God made with man. A covenant of longevity. He said... If the fear of the Lord prolongs days, by me, the fear of the Lord, your years shall be added and multiplied to you. Job, the Bible says in Job, listen to this. Job chapter 5. Verse 26. You shall come to the grave at a full age. 50 is not full. 70 is not full. 80 is not full. As a sheaf of grain ripens in its season. You shall come to the grave at a full age. God told Abraham, my covenant with you, as for you, Abraham, you will go to the grave at an old age and be buried with your fathers in peace. And the Bible says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law and we've received the blessing that God promised Abraham. If ye be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. No wonder David said, I rejoice at your word as one who's found great treasure because your testimonies I've taken as my inheritance. 
Hallelujah. This book is not for us to look and marvel. This book is for us to see. This is my portion in Christ. Colossians 1.12. The Bible says we are to give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. God qualified us to partake of the inheritance that God promised the saints of God. By the blood of Jesus. I'm not going to let the blood be shed in vain. Everything that blood purchased for me, I am going to take it by force. And you won't see passive people living like this. Well, you know, life throws you lemons, make lemonade. No. If the Bible says I can have it, good luck to anything that stands in my way from obtaining it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for confirmation of your word. Thank you that even now, your unseen power, but very much felt power, that tangible flow of electricity, the same electric current that healed me in 2012 when I came off that bed of sickness, I thank you that it's still flowing and it flows to those watching here online now. I thank you, Father, that by your strengths, Healing power is conquering disease, every trace and symptom of pain in their body right now. And I thank you for testimonies. If you're watching right now and the power of God touched you, I want you to come on my website or message me on Instagram, message me on Facebook. I want to know, I know people are being healed by the power of God right now. It's impossible. He said, so shall my word be which proceeds out of my mouth. It shall never return void. Impossible. If God is a liar, then, I mean, what else do we have to hope for? But God's not a liar. So write to me. I want to know what God did for you today. Go on our website, go on our Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Message me. Find a way to message me. Look, Maria wrote, I feel my anxiety left. That's right, and it'll never come back in the name of Jesus. If you're watching right now and, and God touched you immediately, write it. Write it in the comment section. Do what Mar Maria did on YouTube. Let me know. And give glory to God. Remember, there were nine, ten lepers that came to Jesus. Nine of them, all ten were healed. Nine, you know, didn't care to share their testimony. One came back and shared their testimony. And the Bible says, Jesus said, Son, all the others received the touch, but you're going to be made whole. Give God the glory. While we're waiting for people to write in, if you're watching right now and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, um, you, need, you need to get saved. The Bible says that whatever is born of God has overcome the world. You have to be born again. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can never partake of anything. Anything. Some people, I feel a fire in my abdomen. Praise the Lord. Retinitis pigmentosa, leaving your body. Praise the Lord. Desiree, I felt like anxiety left me. Praise the Lord. I had a right... Hold on. I had a little bother on the right side of my neck. Sophia Cook on Facebook. It wasn't major, but it left. Praise the Lord. Doesn't have to be major. Anything that bothers you has no right to be there. I was sick and couldn't breathe without my lungs hurting, and the Lord healed me. Praise the Lord, Esther. Hallelujah. I felt pain leave my stomach. I had an ulcer attack. Praise the Lord. When you prayed for skin disorders, I felt the Lord touch me. 
No melanoma in my pathology report. We curse it in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand in agreement, Jennifer, on YouTube. Mario Varkas, my knees and my lower back feel different than a minute ago. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I, Jana, Jana Jacobs, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Jana Jacobs, fire in my belly. I'm feeling the power. Hallelujah. A Angel Collins, headache went away. Marlene, pain right, pain in my right hand left. Spencer Cortese, anxiety has been hurting my lungs, but it feels good to breathe now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Unless you're born again, you can never enter the kingdom of God, meaning you can never partake of these things. The Bible says that um, healing has a spiritual root to it because sickness has a spiritual root to it. And until you deal with the spiritual side of things, you'll never attain to the, to the physical manifestation of, of healing, divine healing in your body. You have to deal with the sin root. You have to get rid of sin before sin gets rid of you. Sin produces death. And death is the final goal of sickness. So un unless you get rid of sin, sin is going to... The Bible says very... I'll read it. Psalm 107. Psalm 107. Fools, because of their sin and because of iniquities that they've refused to repent of, refused to give their life to Jesus, they're, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food and they drew near to the gates of death. So it shows you unrepented sin. If you leave room for sin, sin will find room in your body. That's, that is a scriptural law. You see it in Psalm 32. David said, when I kept quiet about my sin and I refused to confess, my, my, my uh, vitality, my strength left me and I felt like the drought of the summer heat. The Bible says in another area in the book of Psalms that um, my bones waste away because of sin and my life goes away from me because of grief, of sin. Psalm 90 Psalm 90 says this, we've been consumed by your anger, we're terrified, we're, by your wrath we're terrified, you've set our iniquities before you, and our secret sins in the light of your countenance, unrepented sin. For all our days have passed away in your wrath, we finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70, if by reason of strength, 80. They're dying prematurely because of unrepented sin. I'm not saying that anybody that everybody that dies prematurely is because they have sin, I'm not saying that. So don't go out and write your own, your own doctrine on that, or, or your own like, you know, Sound bit. Oh, TJ said that people die prematurely because they're sinners. No, but I am saying there is no hope if you hold on to sin for your healing. There'll be absolutely no hope. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God work in their life. The Bible says that if you dwell in the shelter of the Almighty, you will dwell under the, shelter, uh, uh, the, sh the shadow of God Almighty. If you dwell in the shelter of the Most High, you will dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. So the protection of God comes when you, uh, when you get saved. You have to get saved. You must be born again. So if you're watching right now and you've never been saved before, or maybe you have, but you've fallen away, you're not living right where you should be, there's, uh, you've let sin in your life, unrepented sin. Today's the day to make right with God. And God's grace is not only going to forgive you, God's grace is an empowering force so that you can go and sin no more. 
So pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I'm coming in faith today. Praying this in faith. Knowing that your word says, if we believe in our heart, God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So I confess today, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. I turn from sin. I drop hands with my old life. Old things pass away today. Everything becomes new. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Make me holy even as you are holy. And I will live for you. Empower me by your spirit. And I'll never return from the pit that I was rescued from. But from today, I'm moving forward with you. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.